Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast. Here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buker. Rick Buker. Welcome to another episode of Buker and Friends, part of the United WeCast Network. I'm Rick Buker. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report. You can hear me on intercom terrestrial stations around the country. And you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buker and on Instagram at Rick underscore Buker. Before we get started, I want to tell you about an app I found that has re-energized my desire to work out and has me working out harder while feeling as if I'm having more fun all while fitting into my unpredictable schedule. The app is called CycleCast, C-Y-C-L-E-C-A-S-T. And I want you to look it up now while you listen to the rest of the podcast. You tired of having to create new playlists? Looking for someone to keep you motivated with new routines, but on your time? CycleCast provides studio quality classes for both indoor cycling and running workouts, indoor and outdoor. I already had a quality spin bike at home. I didn't want to spend a ton of money on a new bike with a video screen and all that. The best part, you can use the app on your iOS or Android phone, and it takes up minimal battery and data while giving you an array of instructors who all provide their own unique ride plans synchronized with songs and beats that will make you forget you're working your butt off. Well, almost. The monthly subscription is ridiculously low, but right now you don't have to spend a dime. Download the CycleCast app and use the promotional code BUCHER, B-U-C-H-E-R, and you'll get four free additional weeks on top of your free seven-day trial. That's CycleCast, C-Y-C-L-E-C-A-S-T. And don't forget to use the promotional code BUCHER, B-U-C-H-E-R, to get five free weeks of guided workouts with killer soundtracks. CycleCast, you're going to love where this app takes you. I am uh, pleased to have as my guest today, one veteran guard with the Orlando Magic, DJ Augustine. DJ, thank you so much for uh, taking the time. I wish you didn't have as much time as you do have right now because of uh, uh, no. because of injury, but nonetheless, I appreciate you uh, 
appreciate you joining nah, us. There's a lot I want to get into. Appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm dealing with a little injury right now, but uh, I'll be I'll be back pretty soon and um, just trying to heal up, man. But I appreciate you having me. So there's a there's a general icebreaker that we use, and you and I we've known each other a little bit, so it's not as necessary as in some other sense, uh, instances. But um, Daryl Gerard Augustine Jr. And yet you go by DJ. First of all, I got to tell you, if I had a Gerard as any part of my name, I might be <laughs> real tempted to to flaunt to flaunt that. That's that's a unique name, and it's got a kind of it's got a kind of a cool about it. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm named I'm named exactly after my dad. Uh, he's Daryl Gerard Augustine Senior, and uh, Gerard actually is spelled with a G. The J, the D, the J and DJ comes from Junior. Yes. So. Uh, yeah, I've gone, I've gone by DJ my whole life. Never went by Daryl. Um, and it's funny, I actually named my my oldest son Daryl Gerald Augustine the third. So he he goes by Trey. But okay. uh, definitely a unique name. I'm from New Orleans, so we have unique names down there, middle names and stuff like that. So, but uh, the DJ is for Daryl Junior. Yeah, I want to get into I want to get into the impact because you were impacted by Hurricane Katrina coming up, and I'm I'm really curious to find out exactly how that how you think now as you look back growing up starting a family doing all that how how that impacted you and your your life view but we're recording this uh i don't know eight nine days before the trade deadline and you've been involved in a couple of trades and so i wonder what it's like uh, you know at this point you've been through you've been through everything but there was a couple of years there where um, you suddenly found yourself being moved in February, and I yeah. wonder what what does this time of year always then kind of like? Hey, let me just get past that trade deadline. Never know what's going to happen, or do you become acclimated to it? I think now at this point in my career, being twelve years in the league, uh, I think now I'm acclimated acclimated to it. Um, it's not that I'm used of it, but uh, now it doesn't bother me as much. Um, you know, one of my early years in the league, I was I was involved in a lot of trade rumors, but nothing never happened. And mm. that time, those times, I was pretty nervous. And, you know, because you don't know what it's like to be traded if you've never been traded before. So you don't know what it's like. You uh, you feel comfortable where you're at. Um, there's a lot of things that go into it. And, and the times that I was involved in trade rumors, when I was in Charlotte, I didn't have a family. Uh, yeah. You know, I didn't have any kids yet. So, uh but at the same time, I still was nervous. I still didn't want to get traded. And it was still a lot of anxiety hearing your name involved in trade rumors and stuff. And then when I finally did get traded, which I feel will happen to everybody at some point in their career if they, if they play a long time in the league, hmm. um, when I finally did get traded, um, it came as a shock because I was actually uh, starting for the Pistons at the time and I was playing really well and uh, I didn't see it coming. And uh it was it was it was for the the big uh, Reggie Jackson trade from OKC to right. Detroit, and um, so I was involved in that one. That was that one kind of hit hard, you know, because I, I like I said I didn't see it coming. There wasn't any rumors about me. Um, I, I had a family at that time. I was married with two kids at that time, and um, you know it hit hard, man. I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know what to expect, and uh, you know I, I ended up getting traded to OKC, and you know I, I give my wife a lot of credit because she handled everything at home packing up the house and getting the kids together and ready to move to from Detroit to OKC so um you know it was a it was a surprise it was a shock uh it was a tough adjustment and then um that was my first time and then after that I was traded again from OKC to Denver which 
I kind of expected and I kind of was prepared for at that time. And uh, it, it was, a I wouldn't say easy, but it was an easier transition yeah. at that time. And uh, and and now at this point in my career, uh, it doesn't bother me at all anymore. I've, like you said, I've been through everything. I've been traded. I've been cut. I've been benched. I've been, I've started. I've done, I've played every role you can play in the league. And uh, it, none of that stuff kind of bothers me. I just pretty much feel like if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If not, I got to focus on what I'm doing right now at the time. Yeah, that's the part I, I, I think the average fan when, you know, or, or even the media, have, you know, casually talking about guys getting traded and dealt and sometimes feel like we lose the human realization that you're talking about a dude, especially guys who have families. Like you're talking about yeah. upending guys' lives. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, I, and I've probably been guilty of it too. You know, the, the media come in and these guys' names in trade rumors and you're asking them about yeah, it. Sure. And, and I'm thinking... Now that I look at it, and in, in, in part because I have a family too, I'm thinking, God, you're just you're just telling this dude, you know, in any minute you could be sent halfway across the country to a new reality, you and your family, and all the things that you got to think about, school and house and yeah. community and all yeah. that stuff, man. And that, for sure, I don't know how you yeah compartmentalize that or how do you put that to the side and still do what is also a high pressure job. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, you know, um, and, and that's the thing I, I think, like, the, the average fan or, you know, like you said, the media sometimes, I don't think they understand we are human. And, uh, for example, that's like, you know, a regular person that's working a nine-to-five. If they have to, their boss comes in and tell them he's sending them to another city <laughs> that day, and they have to leave that day <laughs> yeah. to, meet his new, to meet his new co-workers and his new boss and all that kind of stuff. And you have to leave your family behind to kind of, pack up and get the kids out of school and get it, you know, it's, it's tough, man. You know, and people don't understand that. And like yeah. you said, we, when we're traded, we have to leave that same day and meet the next team in whatever city they're in and play in an NBA game Yeah, and yeah. leave your family behind to deal with whatever you have going on where you're at. So it, it's tough, man. People don't understand what comes with it. They, you know, a lot of people see that, you know, we make money and we're on TV and all that kind of stuff, but right. they don't understand, you know, the pressures and the, the, the the things that go along with being an NBA player that we have to deal with, but at the end of the day, we got to go out there and perform no matter what. You know, no matter what's going on at home, what's going on in our personal life, you know, traded whatever. You got to go out there and perform to keep your job. Yeah, money doesn't change a, a little one coming going. Daddy, why why do we have to move like that? <laughs> nah, not at all. <laughs> right? At all. You can't buy a nah, solution to that necessarily. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So. One of the things, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because um, I just appreciate the the guys like yourself. First of all, let's just start here. For for a guy, a, a point guard of your size, and I see the game becoming ultra, longer, taller, more athletic, uh, I, I, I truly appreciate the guys like yourself who continue to get it done, continue to demonstrate value, continue to orchestrate these teams. And I wonder if you if you pointed to one thing, like why do you think you've survived, not only survived, but thrived, built this career uh, that you have? Uh, number one, I think I've, I've always, uh, no matter what position I was in, like I said earlier, I've, I've started, I've came off the bench, I've been cut, I've been traded, like, I feel like no matter what situation I was in, I've always worked hard and 
um, um, you know, I, I always was a high IQ player, mm. and I, I've always been this size. But you know, the game doesn't change no matter how tall you are, how small you are. If you know how to play basketball, and you go out there and, and play the right way and do all the right things, it'll show no matter how tall or, or, or small you are. And uh, that's one thing I've been able to do in my career: just show, you know, how how an IQ player I am, and be able to be on the floor with any any group of guys and make guys make my teammates look better when I'm out there and make the game look different when I'm um, I've had coaches tell me and guys people tell me all the time the game is, isn't the same when you're out there yeah and I think that just goes back to uh, just my my IQ and my love for the game and just playing the right way a lot of guys these days don't play the right way they just want to get their stats and uh some of them are doing things that they're they're not good at on the floor which which shows you know in their stats and in their percentages and things hmm. like that and I've, I've always played a certain kind of way my entire life. So when you look at my percentages, my three-point percentage or whatever, I don't force shots. I don't. I try not to turn the ball over. And those little things will keep you in the game and keep you on the floor. And, you, and have your coaches, no matter where you are, they'll they'll trust you out there on the floor with the ball in your hands. And that's just one thing I've I've always been able to do. Yeah, no, that's hundred percent. The game though has changed over the last ten, fifteen years. I wonder how how have you adjusted to both on offense and defense? It's just the way they're officiating it, yeah. the way team what teams emphasize. Uh, first, let's start with offense. How how different are the offenses that you see being run now versus say when you first came into the into the league playing for what Larry Brown and Charlotte? Yeah, yeah, it's totally different, man. When I first came in the league, it was all all post guys. It was nothing but get the ball to the post and let them play and just move around and cut off of the post and let the big guys go to work. That was that was my first like four or five years in the league, you know. And um, it wasn't a lot of it, it was some pick and roll, you know. You had like Steve Nash, who I looked up to, uh, CP3, you know, those guys who were great at pick and roll. But it was mostly get it to the big guys down low, let them go to work and know everybody spot up that's how it was when I first came in the league um and now it's totally different it's now you got big guys shoot threes and handling the ball and it's all pick and roll and transition so uh the game has evolved and it's, it's, it's definitely not the same I think that's why a lot of big guys aren't able to play as long or mm. be in the game as, as much because if you can't shoot the three you I mean, you really don't have a, a reason to be on the court. If you can't right. shoot the three or guard or another big that can shoot, that can stretch the floor, you really can't be on the floor. Um, so, um, you know, the game is different now. You know, you got to be able to guard pick and roll. You got to be able to guard different positions and, you know, be able to move your feet, really. And, uh, and, and it's all about communication and whatever your scheme is with your team, you know, just sticking to it. Yeah. Uh, defensively, what what – I, it's almost, and I feel like the NFL is in the same. I feel bad for for DBs and almost anybody on the defense. I feel like both games have been slanted toward benefiting the offense. Uh, the the inability to to touch guys or like having to just accept that there's going to be more scoring. Guys are going to get to the line in a way that I mean, you really can't muzzle guys the way maybe once upon a time you could. How yeah. how have you how do you adapt to that both physically and mentally knowing that <laughs> you know what I'm going to give up I got to give up something because otherwise this dude's either getting to the line or I, I just you don't have the same ability to lock guys down. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the game is, you know, they, they, the NBA is still trying to find ways to, you know, handle the officiating and some of the different calls, some of the rules they've, they've changed over the years. I think they're trying to make it more uh, entertaining, I guess, for the fans. Mm. Um, and, you know, more high-scoring games. You know, I think that's what the fans want to see. Uh, see the superstars, you know, you know, do what they do on the floor every night. So I, I think the game is kind of changing that way as far as officiating. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you got to get stopped. That's how you win. And uh, I think certain coaches are trying to come up with schemes. If you see a lot of zone is being played these days, mm-hmm. which I didn't, I didn't see a lot of that back when I first came in the league or even before I, I made it to the NBA, it wasn't a lot of zone. That's more college stuff. You've seen a lot of pressing. You know, different uh, schemes that coaches are trying to do because it's, it's too hard to, guy, to guard guys one-on-one in this league with the, with the lane spread open. It's, everybody's so good and everybody's so talented. Uh, it's a, it's going to be a team effort every night, you know, and you're going to have to stick to your schemes and, you know, do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, there's a guy There's a guy out there who I, I put somewhat in the same category as you, Darren Collison, who stepped away. Mm-hmm. And now is looking at the possibility of coming in and joining either the Clippers or the Lakers. You you had a good run. I think your best playoff run was with uh, with Indiana, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. And I just wonder for you, you know, obviously you've created value for yourself. You played on a number of teams. How how much would you like to like? Where is it on your bucket list in terms of man I'd love to get with a team that makes another deep run or before it's all over I want to experience that or is it do you become more of a businessman and say hey you know what let me get as many years as I can let me be on teams that are competitive but I I just I, I wonder if your your mentality shifts in how you look at your career and what you aspire to do yeah, I mean, it's a combination of everything you said, uh, I think, at this point right now. Um, I, I plan on – I mean, I, I, I'm i in great shape. I take care of my body. I feel like I can play another four, five years max if I wanted to. Um, but uh, I think it's a combination of everything you said. I mean, right now I, I feel I feel like the position I'm in, in in Orlando, I feel like I can help this young team continue to make the playoffs, which Orlando hasn't, hasn't done in, in a very long time. Except for last year, we made it for the first time in seven years, I think, or mm-hmm. six years. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm kind of loving my role with helping this young team, being a veteran, helping us keep making the playoffs continuously and getting further and further. Uh, I love this group of guys that we're that we're with, uh, that I'm with, and uh, and at the same time, I'm looking, you know, looking for as my as my future, you know, as far as a businessman and 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 uh, meeting people outside of basketball and thinking about life after basketball, going to different programs that the NBA have for us so we can, you know, be ready for that transition, yeah. uh, you know, off the court. And then at the same time, I'm, I'm a competitor. You know, I, I want to win and I want to taste the NBA championship one day. And maybe that'll be something I do or I, I look forward, you know, when I'm almost at the very end, right. you know, maybe get to get with a team like that. But right now I feel like I'm, I'm still in great shape and I can play at a high level with everybody on the floor and, I love my role here with Orlando, helping this young team get better and try to move up that ladder in the East to, to get as high as we can before the playoffs start. So I, I wonder, because you've because of your veteran presence, you're also like, dude, whenever I've seen you, like I've never seen you like cracking up or cracking wise <laughs> or 
DJ, I mean, and there's no, like to my knowledge, there's no DJ Augustine nickname. Like you've always had this like serious demeanor about yourself. Is that, uh, am I just not seeing the other side or is that the way you've approached things? Is that your personality all the time? What, what, what is it? Nah, nah, I'm actually, uh, if you get to know me and you're around me more, you know, I'm pretty funny. I, I like to have fun and, and joke around. Uh, most of my teammates are probably saying I'm the joke on the team, but I, really? that's just something that I've, I mean, that's, yeah, that's just, that's just something I, I've, like I said, I've been through so much in the league that I, I've learned that you got to have fun with it too, because it, it could be so stressful and, and so much pressure on you to perform and contracts and yeah. different things. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta enjoy it at the same time because not everybody's in the NBA. This is a blessing for us to be playing. Um, we could be doing anything else in the world, but we're playing basketball for a living, and you gotta remember to enjoy it at the same time. But when I step on the floor, when I walk into practice, I'm serious. You know, I don't play around. Um, like I said, even in practice, I'm, I'm competitive. I'm trying to go at you and try to help you get better, and I'm trying to, you know, be the best practice player I could be, you know, everything. I approach everything like that. Yeah. Well, and I, I, you certainly demonstrated that, and it's been part of your value. I wonder what it's like as a competitive guy. Like, you, they've they've utilized you as a, as, as a mentor, as a, um, I don't know, a security blanket, uh, bringing in like a, an Alfred Payton or Markel Fultz, um, having that combination of hey, I I want to play, I want to be the I want to be the guy, and at the same time having the team bring in young guys who they're trying to develop, and you got to look at and think, you know, ultimately mm-hmm. are they trying to develop somebody who's going to take my spot? How do you yeah. how do you approach that and maintain the right attitude? Because obviously you have. Yeah. But I would think, that, yeah. you know, at times, like, your competitiveness versus your wanting to do the right thing, wanting to help the team, you can, you can, that can get a little tangled. Yeah, man. I mean, it's definitely a mindset. Um, you know, I, I, I learned from some of the best vets when I came into the league, like Jawan Howard and uh, Jawan Howard, uh, hmm. Gerald, Gerald, Gerald Wallace, uh, Jason Richardson. Uh, even even Jared Dudley, he's still playing, but he was one of my one of he was a year ahead of me when I came into the league. But I just learning from those guys and, and understanding that um, you can create value. You could kind of create your own niche in this league, you know, because everybody has such an ego. Everybody wants to be a starter. Everybody wants to score thirty every night, and uh, it's not enough 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 room for everybody to be in that role. And hmm. uh, I kind of looked at it that way, like, man, if I just come in, work hard. Do do the right thing off the court. Have a high character, um, and whenever my name is called, perform at a high level. I can play this game for a long time, no matter how tall I am, no matter how small I am. And, right. Uh, that's just one way I really I really approached it. And you know, every team I've been on, if you look at my my track record, every team I've been on, if I was back, if I was a backup, I I came in, I was trying to be one of the best backups in the league. I didn't have a problem with that. If I was a starter. I tried to come in and be one of the best starters, one of the you know top guys in the league at that starting position. And um, I feel like my attitude really is what kept me in this role because I don't mind coming off the bench. I don't mind starting. You know, whatever team needs me to do. Right. If if a if a if a, if a starter goes down with an injury, I can come in and start and 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 play well and, and keep the team running running smooth. And if if they have a younger guy they want to use in front of me and they need me to mentor, I can come in and be the best backup in the league or. Help the second unit run well and, and perform. So 
I feel like that's just something that a lot of guys don't have that attitude. Like I said, everybody wants to be the man. Everybody wants to be a starter. You know, if they're not a starter, they got a bad attitude. Or if they're not getting the minutes, they, you know, causing problems in the locker room. And you see those guys are not in the league anymore. So, yeah. um, you know, that's something I realized early in my career. And then once I once I saw the, the results, I just stuck with it, man. Just, you know, I always, I, I always had that attitude. I, I don't know if people realize the mental toughness and discipline that that requires, though. And and because yeah, for sure. because you've got people, you know, it's not only just you, but you've got people around you. You've got the media like you've got all these voices that if you got it rolling and then you're coming off the bench, they're going to be like, hey, dude, mm-hmm. you should be you should be starting, man. Like, oh, what's up? They're not like you're going to get somebody who's going to try to feed you some some negative and or yeah. just you know worrying about hey what's my next contract going to look like what are my numbers going to be there like the business aspect of it how right. who do you credit or or like wh- how did you learn not to allow any of that to interfere with how you approach the job yeah just like i said the people that i i, I was around coming up uh you know like somebody i didn't mention was tj ford as well Hmm. Um, you know, and just, and just being humble, man, you know, just, you know, my family, you know, just being humble. And, you know, for example, if you look at last year, I, I was a starting point guard last year. And we, you know, I had one of my best years of my career and we made it to the playoffs. We beat the Raptors one game in the playoffs. We eventually lost, but they eventually won the championship and you come and then to come back this year and, and I get moved to the bench behind Markel. I had no problem with that. And I let the team know I had no problem with that because I understand not just the game, but I understand the business. And uh, hmm. I understand that he's a young guy, the former number one pick coming in, and he's a great player, you know. And, and if this is the role that they want me to play this year to help the team win, then I have no problem with that. And I wow. think that that goes back to the last question, like how do you stay so in the league so long? And how do you, you know, do the things you're doing? I think that's a prime example. You know, just I had no problem with starting last year, taking the teams to the playoffs and playing great yeah. and coming off the bench this year and helping the second unit. That's you gotta you gotta sacrifice in order to win, and and that's one thing I I learned playing with those good teams I played with and playing under those those veterans that I played with. Yeah, that's the trickiest thing though is is to be a starter to have the confidence and and a little bit of ego, right? Like I can run this, and then yeah, be able sure. to put that ego aside when it's when it's not asked of you. I mean, it, look, it yeah. sounds good. I just. Yeah, I just know easy. how hard it easy. must be to kind of bounce back and forth between I'm going to run the show. Oh, you don't need me to run the show? I'll be over here when you need me. Right. Yeah, it, it, it definitely you got to believe in yourself at all times. That's that's definitely you got to have you got to believe in yourself at all times. And then you know the media and and, and even social media nowadays, they don't make it sound even worse. Oh, you've been benched, you got benched. <laughs> you a bench player. Right. You know, yeah, but hey, look. I, I, nothing's wrong with being in the bench, on the bench, coming off the bench. I'm, I, I'm in the NBA. You know, it's only 450 of us in the world, and that's how I look at it. That's how I approach it. And if this is what the team needs from me, I'll do this for the next five, six years. You know what I'm saying? So, um, at the end of the day, you can't listen to what other people say. Um, that's one thing I've never done. I've always been doubted my entire life since I was little. I was always this small. I was always the smallest on the floor. I was told I wouldn't be in the NBA. I wouldn't make it in college. And, you know, that kind of stuff just fuels my fire and just motivates mm-hmm. me. And, um, you know, I, I just never did listen to social media and what others say and, and, and what, you know, some of the negative stuff people who don't have a, a clue what goes on 
behind the scenes or what go what what it takes to be in this position. I never listened to it, you know, and um, yeah, you know. But you definitely have to be mentally tough, and you definitely definitely have to believe in yourself at all times. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one of a kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So I wonder, I, I had the opportunity, the players, uh, the NBA Players Association, when Hurricane, Hurricane Katrina hit, uh, I went down on a on a caravan of trucks to Gulfport, Mississippi, and New Orleans to bring supplies down there and to uh, to visit some of the the kids and the displaced families in the Salvation Army camps down there. And so I, I know what you know. I, I got a glimpse of that, and it was just uh, devastating. You know, just to like. I'm seeing these kids and we, we like we dropped in there for a couple of days and they mm-hmm. wanted to know I mean it was like kids coming up to us after after we were there you know bringing water and food or whatever and they were like can you take us with a, with you like I don't have a home mm-hmm. and right. and so you experienced that you experienced that firsthand mm-hmm. correct yeah yeah for sure how I was a, uh, senior in high school yeah what 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 was that? What was that like? I mean, what? It was it was tough, man. You know, I was like I said, I was a senior in high, in high school. I was about sixteen, seventeen years old, um, and uh, we pretty much watched everything on the news in Houston, Texas. That's where my family and I evacuated to uh, okay. the, the day before Katrina hit, um, and we just sat in the hotel room and watched everything on TV. Watched the whole city underwater and listening to different reports and. You know, it was hard to get in touch with with family members because all all the cell phone um, uh, networks wasn't working. So um, it was tough, man. You know, and uh, you know, I I, I credit not that I'm a, a parent. I credit my mom and dad for um, keeping us safe and you know the things they did at that time to keep us from not worrying and mm. uh, any you know what could happen from basically losing everything. You know. Yeah. Think about it, we lost everything, but they made us feel like everything was going to be okay. And, you know, that's tough to do, you know, as a parent when you know you lost everything and it's it's on TV. So um, I respect them and I, I love them for that uh, now that I'm a parent. And uh, it was just tough, man. It was tough to see, you know. Uh, didn't We didn't really know what to expect once we went back to see, yeah. you know, for ourselves. And it was just an uneasy time it was almost almost a month or two before we was even able to go back and actually see the damage and what did you what did you find when you went back there uh you could see the water line at the top of the ceiling almost where the water just set for days and weeks um all of our our house is pretty much rearranged if you can imagine water rushing in the house it pretty much took all the furniture that was in the front of the house and moved it to the back of the house and just hmm. everything was just all over the place um, you know, we didn't take much with us when we left because we didn't think it was going to be bad. And um, so we pretty much lost everything. All our, you know, my mom lost pictures of, the, of us when we were younger. I, I lost 
video footage of my games when I was little coming up, uh, you know, mm. everything you could think of, we lost it all and uh, had to start from scratch in Houston, Texas. And, uh, you know, that was it. I went to college the next year and at the University of Texas, and my family still lives in Texas to this day. How much did that disrupt? I mean, because that's a pivotal time, senior in high school. Yeah. How, how much that did, did that disrupt, you know, your plans or your – what you were trying to get done at that point. Yeah, it, 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 I was, um, my high school, we had just won our second state championship in a, in a row after my ju- after my junior year. So we was we had the same exact team coming back my senior year, so we were going to three-peat. Mm. And uh, that kind of took it away from us. We didn't get a chance to play that season. Um, I didn't even get to go to, to that school the rest of that year. I had to go to school in Texas. Because wow. uh, my, op- my school didn't open back up until... I think February or something like that. So uh, Katrina hit in I think September or August, and we I had to go to school. You know I couldn't just sit at home, so I, I had to go to school in Texas, and I couldn't play with my team that was supposed to win the third championship. Wow! In you know in a row, um, so that kind of took that from us. But when I look back, I, I kind of think about it in a, in a positive way. I think it prepared me for college and prepared me for for life. You know, because to show you that you know you know can't take things for granted. Yep, you can't take life for granted, and uh, you know I think that's the the positive thing that came from Katrina. I can't help but think that your appreciation for your NBA career, for your hey dude, I get to play, and mm-hmm. like the, just the perspective that you have that it was shaped in a way, you know, in a, in a way that we wouldn't wish on anybody, but as you said, that there was a positive that came out of it because of your understanding of how quickly things can just be completely upended. Yeah, for sure. And that's something you definitely, if you play in the NBA or anything, I think any professional sport, you you have to understand. And that's one thing I try to preach to my, my younger teammates now. You know, there's so many guys I, I came in the league with, or some of the guys even came came in the league after me that's not here anymore because they took the game for granted. You know, they, they played around, they didn't work hard, you know, they got into other things and, you know, and they they career only lasted a year or two. You know, and uh, and I tell them all the time. You know, it's a blessing. I always say, you know, we 450. You know, out of the world. You know, to be be able to play this game and and make money playing and then take care of our families and you can't never take it for granted because there's always somebody coming up under you, younger yep. than you, better than you that's trying to trying to take your position and you gotta, you know, you gotta just be humble and, and approach every day like that. Is there any one guy that you played with in your career? recent or earlier that you look at it and you go damn man that dude was talented that dude and, and who didn't make it but like you look at it and go I, he should have like he he that's a dude who had so much talent and just didn't realize how cutthroat this business is and that ultimately yeah. ultimately cost him yeah, I, I mean, I think there's so many guys I could name uh, that, that that I could think that would like that that had so much talent, so much potential, and never reached it because they didn't work work hard. You know, the money changed them and things like that. You know, it's, it's so many guys I could name. You know, and, and if I had to name, it's hard to name one guy from that group because, like I said, it's so many. But mm-hmm. if anybody, I I go back to my draft class. Uh, you know, Joe Alexander. I don't know if you remember him, West yep. Virginia. Yep. Uh, he was drafted. He was drafted. Um, I'm only naming him because you know I remember this because uh, he was drafted ahead of me. He was the number the number eight pick. I was mm-hmm. number nine mm-hmm. for Charlotte, but he was eight. 
before me, and uh, he got drafted to Milwaukee. I right. Believe. But he could he could do everything. He could jump. He could shoot. He could play. You know, and he I don't even think he lasted two years. Yeah. You know, and I don't know what, what happened with that, but you know, it's just how quick it can go. You know, you can go from being drafted top ten, and you know, and it could be gone the next year. You know, well, you, that's how fast it happens. Yeah. You know, the flip side of that is, and I don't know. You know, I think there was some growing up that Michael Carter Williams had to do. But I also look yeah. at him being in the situation with Philly, and this is why the the whole tanking thing bothers me because young guys coming into situations that aren't built to be competitive, uh, yeah. as you know, you know that, and as you mentioned, like the 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 habits that you develop early on, how you're introduced to the mm-hmm. game, how quickly you realize. Hey man, I, if I'm not getting better every day, there's somebody who's going to catch up with me from behind. Um, I'm going to yeah. get replaced in a heartbeat. Like th- there, those. I, I and I'm actually I don't know you. You know him better than I do, but I've been kind of impressed that that the Michael's kind of stuck with it and kind of it, it to me looks like he's grown up and and he survived that that early yeah. time and and all the abuse that he took going from you know one minute rookie of the year to now bouncing around the league. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that one. I mean, I, I feel like uh, like Mike, for example, he what happened to him, and I mean, I, I feel like that's those things. When, when we look back as players, myself, Mike, you know, we probably are thankful for those things happening to us because we wouldn't be in the positions we're in today, and we wouldn't know the things we know today, and we wouldn't take the game for granted. Like like I said, like some people do. Mm. Um, you know, and so, and you know, with the draft, it, it's all about sometimes you, you get drafted to the right situation for you, and sometimes you get drafted to a bad situation. If you think about like the Rondos and the Draymond, yeah, if those guys yeah. got drafted to the to the Celtics, yeah, to go to State Warriors, who would they still be Rondo and Draymond today? You know what I'm saying? Like some some guys are drafted into perfect positions and perfect situations for their game and, and culture wise. You know, they got if you could come in as a rookie, you got Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce. <laughs> You gonna you're not gonna know nothing but good habits. But right. if you come into the league and you got a a team that's last place in the East or the or the West, and you learn it from guys who don't really care, they just want to get their numbers and go out. You're not gonna you're gonna learn bad habits. Yep. You won't last. So yep. I mean, it's all the draft is tricky. You know, you want to go as high as you can when you come in, but I think the big picture, you know, you talk to older guys like me. Uh, it's all about going to the right situation, and, and like I said, in my story, I, I wouldn't change nothing that happened to me in my career because it, it made me who I am and the player I am today. Things I know on and off the court today, I, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm blessed that my journey's been the way it's been. Hmm. Uh, you also, you were a college teammate of Kevin Durant's, and you got a chance to play with him in Oklahoma City. Uh, I didn't get mm-hmm. to know him until he came into the league. And so I wonder from your you you knew him early on did he grow into being the outspoken guy we know him to be now or he, was he always this way and he just kept it on the down low Um when we when we first got to college KD wasn't very outspoken at all he was KD really just wanted to play basketball. I think he's the same way to the, to this day. You know, as far as his character, he just all he just loves basketball. I've never seen somebody that when they wake up they just want to play basketball all day. Don't eat. 
Don't take don't don't play any video games, none of that kind of stuff. Stay up all night playing basketball. That's it. Watch basketball. You know anything that has something to do with basketball. That's that's KD. Like he's the same way to this day. But um, I think he's just gotten more mature and he's become a man. And uh, I think now he feels you know he's accomplished everything you could think of at the highest level. MVP of the league, MVP of the finals, champion. You know scoring title, all star. I mean he's done it all and. I think now he's gotten to the point where he feels like he's a man. He wants to stand up for himself against, you know, the negative that's been coming at him over the last few years. He's been quiet for a long time. And I I feel like he has the right to defend himself. Um, But, you know, everybody has their own way to do that. And, you know, um, you know, the way he's been doing it, that's, that's what he he chose to do. But um, I definitely feel like he feels like, you know, I'm tired of, you know, people talking about me. I've done everything you could think of in the league and, you know, I should be, you know, spoken with the best and yeah. uh, I feel like he's at a point now where he just feels he needs to defend himself and he has the right to do you think but, um, you know when I look back he, yeah. he, he wasn't always that outspoken though he never really was you know cared about what other people said yeah he I I wonder because he he got some criticism in Oklahoma City you know after after they weren't winning a championship and people got started to get restless but it wasn't mm-hmm. to the level that it was once he left and he went to Golden State. And I wonder whether that yeah. was just, that's what inspired it, or it was, and you know Oklahoma City, like, they're very buttoned up, man. You, like, yeah. <laughs> they're San Antonio yeah. North, right? I mean, they have right, a certain yeah. approach to things. So I never knew whether it was, hey, you know what, it, 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 it kind of lit a fire under KD that, I'm okay, so you criticize me because I haven't won championships now I go to a team and I go win championships, and you're going to criticize me for that. Whether it was it was that contradiction in his mind, or whether it was really he was just this is the way Oklahoma City does things, and he was gonna he was gonna follow that. Whether he was feeling some kind of way when he was in Oklahoma City yeah. already, I I I don't know if you know, but I wondered like if you if you had any insight into that. Yeah, I mean, I actually played in Oklahoma with KD and Russ and all those guys, and. Uh... And the fans in Oklahoma are just amazing. The organization is amazing. Um, but I, I personally think, and I don't know because I, I never, I never talked to KD about that whole situation. But I personally think and believe that um, once he won that championship with Golden State, I think he felt like, I, like I said, he he felt like he did it. He's done it all, and nobody can. What can you say about me? You know, and mm. you know, up to that point, he's won MVP. He's, he's done it, the scoring titles. You know, he, he he did it all up until that point, and that, that championship was just the icing on the cake, you know, and, and that's when I think he became more verbal and, you know, wanted to get back at people or, or stand up for himself, if, if you want to put it like that. And um, I don't think it I don't think it necessarily was anything against OKC or, or, or those people out there, you know, because I know they showed him a lot of love and he loved them back, you know. Yeah. So uh, I just think it was – a it, I think it was, a, it was like a – just a tipping point and a, just a, a point in his life where he was like, look, this solidifies who I am and I didn't did it all. You can't tell me nothing anymore and I'm going to stand up for myself. So. What do you think, and I I know this I'm asking you to kind of speculate, but he, and, and I've always, I've always had a good relationship with him and I've always felt like he's taken way more uh, criticism and, and a, for all that he's accomplished. Like people take mm-hmm. too many shots at him. Uh, right. And, but what do you think he's, and I don't have a problem with him, like leaving Golden State. Hey, man, like, like I did this. Let me go on to the next challenge. Yeah. I, I have no problem yeah. with any of that. 
I don't, yeah. what I don't know is what's the next challenge for him? Like what? Yeah. He, 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 he to me seems to be searching for, okay, what's the next mountain to climb? And I, I don't, I'm not sure I know what it is. Do you? Yeah, I don't. Um, uh, but I, I think, you know, I know he's into a lot of business stuff now. He's, uh, you know, he's into a lot of investing and he started his own company and things mm. like that. So I, I, I believe it may be something on that level. Yeah. I think he's, uh, he, he's, he's, he wants to win at the same time. He wants to bring a championship to Brooklyn, but I think he's also in a place with, which being New York is a great place for yeah. off the court, uh, you know, things that can happen in his life yeah. as far as business. And I think that's, I think, honestly, I think that's what he's building right now. You know, um, at the same time, he's still an NBA player. He's still a, the great, one of the greatest players in the league. And he's definitely going to come back and be at that level again. But I think personally right now, he's at another part of his life, chapter in his life where he's focusing on more business stuff, maybe, you know, yeah. um, that's what I believe. Yeah. Uh, we don't, we don't talk as much as we used to, um, but I could definitely, on the outside looking in, I definitely see, you know, what direction he's going in. And uh, I think that may be it. That makes a lot of sense because as this was, you know, we're going through everything last spring, I kept hearing New York. Not Brooklyn, not not the Nets or the Knicks. I was hearing mm-hmm. New York. That's what he was making yeah. his decision on and that was before the injury and then I think the in- injury certainly influenced things and his conversations mm-hmm. with Kyrie did as as well but that 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 yeah. really makes a lot of sense from everything that yeah. I knew as he was making that uh making that decision all right yep. uh, DJ uh wish you the best of luck in getting back as quickly as possible as I said I've always appreciated your game and the way you approach it uh, even if you have the game face on, when the media comes in in the locker room <laughs> afterward, I uh, I hope uh, sometime we get the opportunity where I get to see the other the other DJ Augustine. I believe now it's in yeah, there. I sure. do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate it, Rick. But uh, but thank you, and uh, I'll I'll see you down the road. All right, man. Thank you. Appreciate All right, it. DJ, you got it. Thanks, man. That does it for this episode of Buker and Friends. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with DJ Augustine. In the next podcast, I'll be joined by Super Bowl champ, NFL vet, Will Blackman. We will preview the Super Bowl between the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs, give you everything that you should look for, along with our predictions. Don't forget, please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want us to do something for you, screenshot that review and send it to Buker Friends and you will be eligible to win some prizes. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? (laughs) 
Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. 